Good morning, church. My name is Paul Brandis, and I serve here as one of the pastors. And I wanted to begin... Uh, before we have our sermon here in a few moments uh, from a, a friend of ours at the Olathe campus, but I wanted to take just a brief moment uh, to acknowledge the news that was communicated last Sunday, um, that Reed Kappel, our Olathe campus pastor, will soon be moving on from Christ's community. And while this has been a very long process with uh, many conversations involving many of our leaders over the course of a great number of months, we do again want to affirm that there has been no moral failure, disqualification, or wrongdoing by anyone involved. I do also want to say, in fact need to say, specifically here at the Shawnee campus, uh, that really understandably this might stir up some emotions and thoughts connected to our experiences here last year. And while this situation is very different, that's really understandable. And so if that describes you, I want, to, I want you to know that we see you, that I see you, and that we want to be available to process with you. I'm available, and I know that uh, Pastor Nathan, one of our senior pastors, or Derek, one of our elders who attends here at Shawnee, would be available as well. I mean, there's no way around the fact that this is hard for our church family. We are one church, and when our Olathe campus hurts, we hurt with them. Uh, over and over and over again in, in my life and ministry, I return to Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, which is an incredible verse that says that we are to bear one another's burdens in the body of Christ, and, and don't miss the end of that verse, that in doing so, as we bear one another's burdens, in doing so, we fulfill the law of Christ, which is an incredible statement, incredible thought. And I think that one of the tangible ways that we can bear this burden with our Olathe campus is to regularly enter into fervent prayer for and with them. And I know that many of you, of course, have already been doing that, as have I. So let's do that now. Take a moment in the service now. Please bow your heads and pray with me. Father in heaven, we do come before you now in fervent prayer, and we lay all of this down before you. We know how deeply you care about every inch of this situation, and so we approach you as our good and great God, and we pray with fervency and urgency for the Olathe campus congregation. We pray, God, for the Olathe campus staff. We pray for our senior pastors, Nathan, Mark, and Tom. We pray for our elder leadership team. We pray for the Capels, for Reed and Megan and for their kiddos. God, we pray for us here at Shawnee, at Brookside, at Downtown, at Leewood, and again, of course, at Olathe, one church in five locations. We pray for our church, Christ Community Church, Lord. We pray for comfort, Lord, I've been thinking of 2 Corinthians 1, comfort, comfort, comfort. We pray for peace. I've been thinking and praying Philippians 4, peace that surpasses understanding, knowing that you are near to us in our hardest times. I've been thinking of Psalm 34, 18, that you, the Lord, are close to the brokenhearted and that you save those who are crushed in spirit. And Father, I've been thinking of John 17, among other places, which speaks so eloquently of the need for unity among the body. And so I pray for all of this, for all of us, and ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. 
Well, I've already mentioned we have uh, someone with us this morning, a guest preacher from the Olathe campus. Uh, ben Lohr uh, is a current congregant leader at Olathe, and he just wrapped up his time on staff with us here at Christ Community uh, at Olathe back in May, and he completed a, a two-year pastoral residency program uh, that hopefully you're familiar with. That is something that's deeply important to us here at Christ Community, our two-year pastoral residency program. I completed this program a number of years ago at our Brookside campus, and it's the program Program, uh, that our current staff member here at Shawnee, uh, Johnny Daigle, who's doing the benediction this morning, so you'll get a chance to hear uh, from Johnny. He is slowly stepping into uh, this training program as he wraps up a few more of his seminary classes this fall. And our aim with the residency program is to provide varied developmental opportunities for the next generation of pastoral leaders to mature in their shepherding and leadership. And one of these developmental spaces that we're so keen on in the residency is preaching. And that's one of the reasons why the primary preachers at each of our campuses so regularly take a week or two out of the pulpit. You know, all of us campus and senior pastors, we, we love to preach. That's part of why we got into this being a pastor thing. Um, but we also see the value in giving other people the opportunity to preach too. And, and, and don't miss this as well, we think it's really good that you all hear from more than just me, right? Like, you do not want to hear from me 52 times a year, I promise you that. Uh, and so, Ben, thank you for being here this morning. Uh, Ben's originally uh, from Michigan. He holds a BA in Biblical Studies from Moody Bible Institute and an MDiv from Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. Uh, ben has engaged a number of different leadership roles uh, within different churches uh, in his time in pastoral ministry, and he loves to share God's word with God's people. And he's preaching on series, uh, so we get to continue on in the book of Ephesians, which has been such a joy. So eager to hear from you today, my friend. And now, if you are able, please stand for the reading of God's word. Uh, as I said, Ben will be on series in our Reconstructing Faith uh, teaching series that we've been doing this fall. And the text this morning is Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. And I am reading out of the Christian Standard Bible. Hear now the word of the Lord. For this reason, this is Paul writing, for this reason, he says, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. I pray that he may grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may then be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width and height and depth of God's love, and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thanks, Paul. Hey, church. Uh, good morning. Uh, it's good to be with you all here at the Shawnee campus. As Paul said, I'm usually at the Olathe campus, but it's good to be with uh, family here at another location. And just to, again, to echo what Paul said a minute ago, thanks for your care uh, for, the, for the Olathe campus. Um, obviously, I bring you greetings from the Olathe campus, but uh, we, we are so grateful and appreciative of your prayers and your encouragement for us, especially in this unique uh, time. 
but it's good to be here. It's good to be at another location, yet at the same church. Um, before we jump into God's word, let's, let's just pray again together. Lord, thank you for this church. Thank you for the family that we have here. Thank you for the, the truths of the words that we already sang and worshiped to you this morning. Lord, as we turn to your word, uh, please, please help us. We need it. Lord, if I'm honest, I, I would say I, I don't know how anybody can get up here and be adequate in and of themselves to communicate your word. So I, I know I need your help to preach your word. And Lord, we need your help to, to hear it so that we hear from you. So help us, please do that in this time, we pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. How many of us here are interested in outer space, um, interested in astronomy, maybe follow what NASA does? I see, okay, I see some, some hands there in the back of the room. Maybe you've been paying attention to the, uh, the, the Mars Perseverance rover and kind of keeping track of some of the pictures and photos there, or maybe you've uh, followed with interest the, the James Webb Space Telescope, and it's already sending back images of the vast depths of the universe. And maybe you just like uh, occasionally just going out on a dark night and looking up at the stars in the sky and just taking in the beauty of an imme and immensity of it all. But there's one thing about the universe, as much as I like those things, there's one thing about the universe that I don't think I'll ever get over, I don't think I'll ever totally understand, and that is just the, the sheer size of it, the vast immensity of it all. Have you ever been to a, a planetarium, or maybe you've seen one of those videos online that just kind of, sh kind of uh, shows you the size of one thing in the universe compared to another, and it's just totally mind-blowing, like how is it even possible that something that the universe is the way it is, and some of the objects in the universe can be so unbelievably greater than what we could even wrap our minds around. Uh, let's, let's actually just take a, a minute and just watch one clip. Okay, I just have a question. Can anyone explain that to me? Like, what did we just watch? That, that is just blows my mind. Now, let's be honest. How, how many of us really understood what we just saw there? <laughs> I mean, on, on one level, you know, we, we might be able to kind of understand the numbers and the relative size to one another. We might be able to, you know, kind of in some way quantify what, what a billion is and how, how many light years it is. We might be able to explain what a light year is. 
But on the other hand, there's no way that we can really wrap our minds around it. There's no way that we can really comprehend the scale of the universe. It, it, it comes to a point where eventually the numbers and the sizes are just like so dizzying and our eyes just start to like glaze over because we're like, I, it just, it's just beyond what anybody can comprehend on their own. And I think that at the end of the day, I think that I'm like most people when I say that my functional understanding of the universe is actually much closer to this meme that I've seen. Did you know that the universe is bigger than two football fields? <laughs> like, that is, like, that is much more of my understanding, okay? That is much more what I can understand. Now, that's funny, but it's, it's not wrong. But so long as our knowledge remains there, we won't be able to really appreciate the wonder and the vastness and the immensity of it all. And if you've been with us here at Christ Community the last few weeks... I think we've actually been experiencing a similar thing as we go through the book of Ephesians. We've been going through Ephesians in a series that we are calling Reconstructing Faith. And each week in this series, we are exploring new galaxies of truth. Each one is incomprehensibly great. And through it all, we've seen, through, all, through it all in this, in this series, we've seen this whole constellation of ideas that are in the book of Ephesians about God, about what God has done for us in and through Christ. And on the one hand, we have a basic understanding of these theological truths and what they mean. But I think on the other hand, there is no way that in our limited capacities we can fully understand and appreciate what all of this means and how great and vast God's love for us is in Christ. And I, I don't know, I don't, well, it doesn't, seem obvious to me how understanding the size of the universe can make much practical difference in most of our lives. I think that our ability to grasp the truths of our faith does directly affect the way that we live our lives. It affects it in profound ways. And I think if we don't really grasp the immense truths that have been laid out so far in the book of Ephesians, we won't have God's transforming power to change and shape our lives. So let me ask this question. How many of us would like to see God's power at work in us personally? Yes, I know. I, I'm with you. I know I would. I need God's power to be at work in me because I know that on my own, I'm so weak. I'm so flawed. I'm so imperfect. I, I still have so many things that I'm, that I'm dealing with. I need the power of God at work in me. And we as a church... How many of us want to see God's power at work in our church, here at the Shawnee campus, at all of the campuses at Christ Community, and in the global church around the world? We need God's power. We need God's power to show up not just in ways that are explainable by our, our human strength, but in ways that the only way that they can be explained is by the power of God. If we want this power that transforms us into all that God desires us to be, we need to grow in our ability to grasp the truths of what Christ has done for us. Or to put it much more simply, the lives that we live flow from the truths that we grasp. The lives we live flow from the truths we grasp. 
And so in our text today, we're, gonna, we're actually going to take a step back and we're going to consider just how beyond our comprehension everything we've already read up to this point in Ephesians really is. So if you haven't already, I, I, I invite you to turn with me to Ephesians 3. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3. And as we turn to Ephesians 3, we're, we'll notice that we are approaching one of the main transitional places in this letter. And, and coming up very soon, this letter is going to make a noticeable shift in direction. But up until this point in the letter, Paul has been writing about God's incredible work in the world through his cosmic plan of redemption. And, God, and Paul has just explained the vast and cosmic size of this plan. And over and over, he's brought up the great love of God and the power that has been at work through it. But Paul knows that, that understanding the magnitude and significance of this plan is like trying to understand the size of the universe. Paul knows that we can't simply understand the size of this on our own. And he doesn't want our understandings to remain at, at, at the level of, well, I, God's love is like, it's bigger than two football fields. He wants us to grasp truly the immensity of it. So in view of this, Paul prays that God would help them truly grasp it. And here's the basic outline of Paul says, and this is where we're going in the rest of uh, this sermon. Paul prays, may God give us power and understanding of Christ's love so that we may share in God's full life for us. So we're going to look at each one of these one at a time. And as we do, I just want to again say that these are things that we should be praying, for, both for ourselves individually, but also for our church. They're not, just, they're not just ideas to stick in our heads, but they're truths to have in our hearts and to pray to God and regularly ask God for. So with that, let's explore this prayer. And, and, and I, as, as we do, I just want to note that when Paul originally wrote this, it was one long sentence. Verses uh, 14 through 19 is one long sentence, which makes for great Greek, but it makes for difficult English. And so I'm, because of that, I'm going to follow the lead of the Christian Standard Bible translation, which helpfully breaks it down. All right, so Paul is, is praying for two main things here in this prayer. And the first thing that he prays for is, may God give us power. May God give us power. We see this request in verses 16 and the beginning of verse 17. He says, I pray that he, that is God, I pray that he may grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So Paul here is, is kneeling before God the Father, this cosmic king of the universe who is ruling and redeeming the world and creating a people to share it with. And Paul prays that out of the riches of his glory that God will grant us to be strengthened with power. Paul mentioned earlier in chapter 1 that this, this is the same power that raised Christ from the dead and also seated Christ with God in heaven at, the right, at God's right hand, the place of power and authority that's above all other powers in all times. And Paul prays that we would be strengthened with this power in our inner being. 
that this power would be in us and it would, it would strengthen who we really are on the inside. And I think, we, I think we ought to pause for a second and just imagine what this power might look like. If this power is in our inner being, what might that look like? Because I think when we think of power, we might often think of, I don't know, something like, like physical strength or some other kind of super impressive display. We might think that the more forceful and loud something is, the more powerful it is. We might think that power is seen in, in the strength of the Roman Empire, which was around when this letter was written. That power is seen in the strength of the Roman Empire, that, that power is having the ability to assert your will over, those of other, over, over the wills of other people. So we might look at Paul, who is writing this letter in prison, and we might think that Rome is the powerful one, and Paul is the weak one. And that's actually the way that Paul probably used to think. But if you were here last week when Tim preached, he explained that Paul experienced a dramatic change when he met Jesus, and he gained an entirely new perspective on what true power really is. And so when Paul writes about strength, being strengthened with power, Paul is writing from a very different and very particular view of what power is. So notice that he follows this request for power by adding, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So notice how these two lines compare to each other, okay? Through his spirit is actually parallel to through faith. And your inner being is parallel to your hearts. Which means... That in this parallelism between these two lines, that power is parallel to Christ dwelling in us. As Christ dwells in us, we are strengthened with power in our inner being by the Spirit. So these aren't two different ideas. Rather, these are two complementary ideas of saying the same thing. Because you can't have the Spirit without having Christ, and you can't have Christ without having the Spirit. So just as God's power was displayed through, through raising Jesus from the dead and seating him at God's right hand above all powers in all of creation, Christ's power can also be seen in us by his spirit through faith. This is what spiritual power looks like. And as the spirit helps us grasp these truths about what the Father is doing in the world through the Son, it says, if Christ himself were living in us, himself strengthening us as we participate in this, this plan, this vast plan of God's, God's, God's cosmic plan of redemption. And so in this letter, Paul says that through faith, we are in Christ. That is, we are identified with Christ, that as Christ goes, so, all, so go all who are in Christ. But just as amazingly, I think, Paul says that through faith, Christ is in us. We are in Christ, but Christ is also in us, strengthening us through his spirit with power. This means that Christ is, is working in us, but he's also working through us. And as he makes our, our, our lives his home, 
He begins rearranging and reordering things, throwing some things out that are in our lives, bringing some new things in, changing the way that we are on the inside over time, making us his dwelling place and causing us to look more like him. I live in an apartment complex, and uh, I often have neighbors who are, who are moving in and moving out. You know, that's often the season of life that a lot of people who live in an apartment building are in. And they're always, you know, they're always throwing stuff out and bringing stuff in because they're making this, this place their home. And I think that's also why we, as Christians, why we tell each other testimonies. Not just testimonies of how we came to faith in Christ, but testimonies of how God is powerfully at work in us. Not just how we came to saving faith, but how God is continuing through faith to make us his dwelling, to shape us, to make, to make us look more like Christ. And Paul says that all of this happens as we trust in all that Christ has done. As we hear and reflect and continually meditate on the, and trust in the precious truths that he's already laid out in the first few chapters in Ephesians, God strengthens us and gives us the power of the one who rules all of creation. But that's not all that Paul prays for here. Because as we remember these truths of the gospel, hopefully we'll continue to grow in our ability to understand and grasp the magnitude of it. So the second thing that Paul prays for is understanding of Christ's love. So look at verses 13, uh, chapter 3, verses 17, second half to 17 to, to verse 19. He says, I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width, height and depth of God's love, and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge. Paul wants believers to understand the immensity of God's love for them in Christ. And he specifically speaks of this using the metaphor of various dimensions. So, so God's love is one thing, but there's so many dimensions to it. And he, Paul doesn't leave this as an abstract concept either. He says that, um, he says that to comprehend the dimensions of God's, God's love is, is to know the love of, of Christ. So love isn't just this fuzzy, vague idea that's out there. It's this specific thing of what God has done in Christ, which he's already recounted in the first few chapters of this letter. So let me, let me just kind of do a review and remind us of some of the things that we've already read in, in this letter. Paul tells us that we are God's creation, that he, he, God created us, and we were created to enjoy and live in his light and his, and his life and his love. And yet we all turned from and we rejected God's wonderful love. Instead, we chose to follow lesser and lower evil powers, lower powers that rule this fallen world. We turned from the light of God and we plunged ourselves into darkness. We didn't obey God but instead, we, o we obeyed the selfish desires of our flesh that we wanted. We turned from the one who is life himself and found that all that we had in, in return was death. 
And we became, both by nature and by choice, creatures who rightly stood under God's wrath. And we might think that God uh, would, would be right to just leave us to ourselves in that state. But Ephesians also teaches that, it says that before any of this happened, even before we could choose him, God chose us to be in Christ before the foundation of the world. God had a plan that just as his son, Jesus, is holy and blameless and shares in the Father's love, so we too, in Christ, we would also be holy and blameless and join in this love. And so that just as Jesus knows God as Father, so we would be adopted into this family as God's sons and daughters and share in this family love. And God didn't just do this for for Israel and the Jewish people in in fulfillment of his promise to their fathers. He also included us Gentiles in this plan. And together he has made us one new people in Christ. And so all of our wrongdoings, all of our sins, all of our rebellions that held us imprisoned, Christ redeemed us from them. He did this through the shedding of his own blood, which was shed on our behalf, so that we would be freed and redeemed from the nightmare that we are living in. In all of the wrath that we had been storing up for ourselves, Christ stepped in, and he received it in our place so that we could be free And instead of being objects of wrath, we would instead be objects of God's love and grace. And when we were in the dark, God shed his light on us. When we were dead, God gave us life to live in Christ. And it says that God did this because he is rich in mercy, because he is rich in love, not because of what we did, but because he loves to give grace. He didn't do this because of anything in ourselves. He chose us um, apart from anything we did for him. He, He did this in spite of what we've done. It was done due to the overwhelmingly great love of God. But not only did God forgive us and redeem us and give us this this undeserved life, he went even further than that and he treasures us and he places great, great value on us. We are his inheritance. And just as Christ was powerfully raised from the dead and seated at the right hand of God, it says that because we are in him, just as Christ rules over creation, so we too are seated with Christ, with God in Christ. So that in the future, we too will share in this rule over creation. So that when creation looks at us, when creation looks at the way that God has redeemed us and redeemed his church, they'll marvel at the greatness of God. They'll see how God so richly blessed us in love by turning those of us who are without hope into those who become God's inheritance and rule with him over all of creation. This is a constellation of God's love for us, which is infinitely beyond what we could comprehend on our own. Each part is found essentially in Christ. 
every aspect, every good thing that we have, every blessing of love, of God's love, comes to us through Christ. And Paul prays that out of this, that, that this love of God for us, that we'd be rooted in it, that we'd be firmly established in it, that we would comprehend it, and that we would know this love which surpasses knowledge. And Paul tells us that he's praying all of these things for us for a very specific reason. And that reason, and that, thir- that is the third point, and that reason is that so that we may share in God's full life for us. Paul prays these things so that we may share in God's full life for us. Paul states the goal of the prayer and the result of, of these requests that he's been praying at the end of verse 19, where he says that he prays these things so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So this means that we have begun to experience life in Christ. But Paul, is exp- he's, he's praying that we'll experience it more fully. So we've not yet fully grown into all that God intends for us to be in our, in our daily experience. So Paul prays that we would, we would continue to be more and more filled with the love of Christ in us. Until one day when, when we are, that future day when we are completely filled with all that God wants us to be. And I think it's important to see how, how this plan, this, this plan of being uh, filled, filled with all that God wants us to be, to share in the fullness of God's life, to understand this in the context of the book of Ephesians and what God is, his plan that he is doing in the church. So in chapter one, he explains that we're, we're God's inheritance. The church is, is this treasure God, God delights in and gladly receives. Also in chapter one, it says the church is, is the body of Christ, so that when, when creation sees us, when creation sees the church, it sees something of who, of who Christ is. Chapter 2 explains that the church is this incredible masterpiece of both Jewish and Gentile believers from, from every nation, together comprising this, this, new, this new creation in the world. And, and the church is God's chief demonstration that God is bringing all things in the world into, it, into their proper place in Christ and under his authority. And God is doing this so that he can show up to all of creation and to all of the authorities and rulers and powers, even, even the powers that are opposed to God. God is doing this so that through the church, these, these, um, through the church, God is... God is Showing that all of, these, all of these lesser evil powers that seek to sow division and destroy and tear this world apart, God is overcoming and he's overcoming it through the church. He's bringing those of us who are so, many, so different in so many different ways together as he makes all things new, beginning with the church. This was God's plan. This is, this is God's plan from all eternity. This is the biggest thing that God is doing in all of history and all of creation. So I, I, even that, it's like, how do, I, how, do, how do we get to see that? And I just think, you know, as I reflect on it, I think there's, there's a lot of things happening in our world today. There's a lot of things happening on the world stage today. I mean, that we all know that there's, there's war between Russia and Ukraine right now. And much of the world is feeling the effects of that. We're all... We're all uh, you know, looking, looking ahead in, in a number of weeks that midterm elections are coming up where all across 
the United States, new uh, uh, leaders are going to be elected. And it can feel like there's a lot at stake there. A, few, a couple weeks ago, uh, Queen Elizabeth died. And along with that, some see the, the death of also what, not, not just Queen Elizabeth, but what she symbolized. We look through history and we see that nations rise and fall all across the world stage. Nations are born and then collapse again. Global leaders meet together for, for global summits where they discuss plans for the world. And all these can feel like tremendous events. But what Ephesians says is that what God is doing in this room right now, what God is doing in the church is greater and is of far more significance in the cosmic plan of the universe than any of the, these events in world history or in the news. What God is doing in the church is greater. The church will endure forever as the redeemed people of God and show how God has won the victory and made all things new. And he's continuing to work in us and fill us. This is the plan that God is at work in us. This is, this is what Paul is praying for. This is, Paul prays that we would be filled more and more with these truths and be all that God wants us to be. And in all of this, Paul is, Paul is amazed and he expresses his praise to God. In verses 20 and 21, he, he expresses his praise to God who is able to accomplish all these things being asked for and he's able to do it in even greater ways than we could ever imagine. So church, as, as we think about this and as we hear this prayer and consider the, just the import of it all, there's all sorts of ways that uh, God might be using this text in, in each of our lives. Um, and I just want to suggest a, a few specific things that we might take away as we reflect on all of this. So one, one idea is that we, we show our gratitude to God's grace by growing in our experience of it. If someone gives you a gift that you're really grateful for, the way that you show your gratitude for it is by, by using it. If, it. if it's a book that someone gives you, you read the book. If it's a piece of jewelry, you'll, you'll wear the jewelry. Whatever it is, you will grow in your experience of it, and that's how you show your gratitude for it. So may I suggest that the way that, one of the best ways that we can demonstrate our gratitude to God for all that he has done for us is to grow in all that God has given to us. So that these truths that we learn about in, in Scripture don't just, don't just fill our heads, but fill our lives and become, and become part of our Monday lives. That they become integral to who we are as a people, that they, they shape us, that we continually try to seek to live and live by and remember and be shaped by these truths and to praise God for them. But that leads us to the next idea, which is that we must grow in head and heart knowledge. We must, we must grow in our understanding of this both in our head and in our heart. And I know that, that all of us are wired a little bit differently, and that's, that's, that's totally okay. Some of us are more thinkers. Some of us are more feelers. Um, but regardless of which one we are, we need to grow both in our head and our heart. We can be filled with so much information, but our heart can remain cold and can remain unaffected. So as much as we learn, as much as we fill our minds with truth, we need to, we need to pray and ask God that he would also affect our heart, too. And if we're, if, we're more of, uh, if we're more prone to operating out of our heart or operating out of our emotions, 
that's also fine, but have we given, have we given any uh, effort to, to learning and understanding, to, to giving our mind something to uh, direct our heart with and to shape our heart? Or if we don't feel much, is it perhaps because we haven't truly understood yet what God has done for us in Christ? So wherever we are, let's seek to grow both in head and heart knowledge. And that leads us to the next idea, which is that doing will not make sense unless it comes from knowing. So listen very carefully here. This is a really key, this is a really key point. Doing will not make sense unless it comes from knowing. Because beginning next week and in the following weeks of this series, this, this letter is going to take a major turn. And that is to turn from knowing to doing. In the book of Ephesians, the first three chapters is primarily foc- focused on knowing these things and teaching these truths. But then the second half of the book, chapters four through six, is primarily focused on doing and our response to these things. But the order of these things and the relationship between them is critically important. Because if we don't, if we don't, if, if our doing doesn't flow out of our knowing, we're just going to tire ourselves trying to do all of these things, but it's not going to have the power in it. We're going to try to transform ourselves in our own strength, which we can't do. The only way that we're going to have power is if, is if Christ dwells in our heart through faith, as we know and understand these truths. So doing has to flow from knowing. The lives we live flow from the truths we grasp. On our own, we're unable to grasp these things that are, that are far beyond our comprehension. So let's pray to God that, that he would help us, that he would give us this power, that he would give us this understanding so that we can be filled with all that God wants for us. So church, is just one last thing. One last thing, and I don't have a slide for this either. This thing is, pray for it. Pray this. Pray this. This is a prayer. This isn't just information. This is something we are to, to pray. If this is something that Paul prayed for believers, if this is a prayer that is written down for us in Scripture, I think that more than warrants it is something that we ought to pray for ourselves, that we ought to pray for our friends and our family, that we ought to make a habit of praying, that we ought to pray for, for our church here at Christ Community Shawnee, at the other campuses, in the global church around the world. So let's, let's, let's close this time in that way. I'm going to pray this prayer, and I invite you, just in, the, in, in, your own, in your own mind, in your own heart, as I pray this, to pray it with me. Our Father in heaven, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, including those of us here at Christ Community Church, at the Shawnee, downtown, Brookside, Leewood, and Olathe campuses. God, out of, your, out of the riches of glory, would you grant us to be strengthened with power in our inner beings through your spirit, with Christ dwelling in our hearts through faith. Father, please help us to be rooted and grounded and firmly established in your love for us. And help us to be able to comprehend together with all your church what is the length and width, height and depth of your love. And to know Christ's love, which surpasses knowledge, so that we will be filled with all of the fullness of God 
and be all that you are creating us to be. Lord, may you give us power and understanding of Christ's love so that we may share in your fullness of life. Lord, we know that you are able to do far above and beyond all that we can ask or even imagine because of the power that you are working in us. Lord, to you be the glory in us, your church, and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen.